Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Recorded live from the lobby of the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Welcome to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. Every week, I will have a guest on the show to discuss different parts of the beer world, from brewers, importers, educators. This will allow us to examine the dynamic world of beer through different lenses. Whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. So I am very excited for my guest today, uh, my guest is Yazan Karache. He is the brewmaster and CEO of Karakel Brewing uh, in Jordan, and he's calling in. Um, Yazan, thank you so much for taking the time uh, this evening. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah, so um, Yazan and I met each other uh, about two years ago at the festival by Shelton Brothers in Denver. Um, and if you go back and listen to that show, I briefly interviewed him. Um, and then you were also at the festival again in Buffalo, New York this year, yes? I was. It was so much fun. There were so many amazing brewers different parts of the world. It was an amazing place to be. Yeah, we, it was, I mean, we, we talked about the, the festival uh, for a couple episodes, just, I mean, the people that they were able to get to come to the festival and the, all the different beers and uh, all the different people that were able to show up and the location itself was really beautiful. So, yeah, no, it was it was absolutely amazing. Um, but so I want to dive in a little bit to your brewery and how you came to begin to put this brewery together um, you are Jordan's first craft brewer. That is correct. Uh, we started uh, Jordan's first craft brewery in 2010. Um, started with my dad. Um, I, I kind of got the beer bug when I was living out in Boulder, Colorado. I uh, did my undergrad there in electrical engineering, and um, I was in the right place at the right time, and um, uh, kind of just dove right into it. Um, as far as how I got into the industry itself, uh, it was just a series of uh, fortunate events that kind of uh, kind of cascaded uh, and changed my entire career and uh, kind of got me to dive in um, and transition from the engineering world into the brewing world. Uh, it was kind of like the last semester in, uh, in college in Boulder, Colorado. I was studying uh, as an undergrad in electrical engineering in CU Boulder and um, it was kind of just a uh, haze of youth infused in a in a Barnes and Noble's uh, bookstore and um, a World Beer book uh, fell on my table and I started looking for Jordan on this World Beer map and I couldn't see any beer come out of Jordan so I I grew up seeing this, uh, this beer being sold in, in our country and then I found out that that's not even a Jordanian brewery and uh, kind of. Uh, had a light bulb kind of click on in my head, and uh, uh, I just uh, couldn't get it out of my head that thought of starting a Jordanian brewery. And then, uh, and and slowly, uh, as I started learning more about beer and 
I started to understand uh, the, the differentiations between mass-produced beers and craft handcrafted uh, beers, and uh, had a few craft beers in Colorado. There's a lot out there, and I kind of fell in love with that, and then um, and just decided that that's what I wanted to do is make a craft brewery in Jordan, and so. Uh, it's kind of a, a lot of things kind of to fast forward quickly. I started working in a homebrew supply store. Um, Charlie Papazian once walked in um, into that store and I told him about my dream of starting a craft brewery in Jordan. And he told me that I should uh, consider doing a master's brain program. And he told me about the UC Davis program, um, which then I applied to and then got accepted and went back to Colorado after the program and worked in a couple of breweries there. And then, went back to Jordan and started the the brewery here. That was um, close to a decade now. Yeah. That day, uh, since all of that happened. So putting together a craft brewery in Jordan, uh, as I imagine, had its own set of challenges. Oh, yeah. Uh, Until today. Um, It's (laughs) never-ending. Absolutely never-ending, yeah, of course. Um, But it's a multi dimensional um, there's a lot of challenges that comes with it from a lot of different dimensions um, whether it's the legal issues where it's where we're located um, yeah there's absolute immense amount of challenges uh, there are good challenges they makes makes us think of ways of uh, being smarter and more self-sustainable being off the grid uh, so to speak where we're located so, but you had described uh, last time we talked some issues with just even getting hops to your brewery. Like that was something that was challenging. Yes, yeah, so hops um, in Arabic uh, is translated into hashish, you know. So um, uh, it's, it's it's one of those ingredients that are pretty um, uh, challenging to get into the country. Sometimes uh, our shipments get uh, redirected to the um, uh, narcotics department uh, for inspection, <laughs> and so um, yeah, there's, there's a whole series of, of challenges. So, um, see, uh, if we were to dissect it, you have the um, the the legality behind starting a brewery in Jordan. The the application to apply to start a craft brewery does not exist, and so you have to go through these uh, a lot of loopholes to figure out where to begin to start figuring out how to get a legal license for it. Uh, and so just to kind of give the, you and the, and the listeners kind of a perspective, of uh, there is only two breweries in Jordan, uh, us and a Hennigan-owned and operated brewery, um, um, which produces Amstel in the country. And so, so they've had the a monopoly in the country for, for decades. Two for the whole country. Two for the entire country, exactly. Uh, we just had a brew pub open up uh, a few weeks ago, so that's been pretty exciting for us. Um, we've been working uh, and talking and seeing if we can synergize forces with that brew pub, but um, it's kind of a two-and-a-half-barrel system, so that there's the, the, they kind of have a very small, tight operation, which is perfect for them and the environment, but for us, being a production crappery, uh, which entitles um, uh, we like have a tax department, like an actual government entity. Is um, we built an office for them in front of the packaging line because we're very heavily 
uh, taxed product. About 62% of everything we do goes to the government taxes. Um, and so just going back to the challenges, so you have a monopoly in the market, uh, uh, which is not the easiest thing to get into a market uh, from a production perspective mm-hmm. and selling into the market and having all these uh, contracts that are kind of built in with bars, um, sometimes that prohibits us from selling our own products in that bar because of these contracts. Uh, and so you have the monopoly, you have um, uh, the heavily taxed uh, um, beer um, industry, and you have also the um, the challenges of finding the right people to come work in your brewery um, in the country. Where from from so right now, uh, we've kind of built this. Um, uh, what was that show that uh, from like the eighties or nineties? Uh, the A Team with uh, Mr. Peanut, um, the A Team, I think it was called. Okay. We, we have our like own A Team. Uh, we have um, mechanical engineers, uh, like three blacksmiths. Uh, uh, electrical engineers. We have all sorts of, uh, of of amazing, talented people in our team where we can build our own machines, um, fix our own problems instead of uh, of waiting people from other companies or from outside of the country coming in and trying to help us uh, figure out challenge, figuring out solutions for our own challenges. So we've created a team where, for instance, like, well, two weeks ago, we had three motors break down in the middle of of, uh, um, uh, of brewing, like the screw auger motor broke down, we fixed it on the spot, uh, the the um, bucket elevator going up to the mountain mill broke down, we fixed that, all the challenges that we had in the same day, we can fix in the same day, and so we can just, uh, uh, we're, we're self-sustainable as much as possible, so that really has helped us. Um, become successful as just the team that we've built in the last decade has been awesome. Uh, it's been a very um, amazing thing to see um, happening from from the beginnings of me and my dad being by ourselves in the brewery to where we are right now. We're about 24 employees at the brewery. Nice. And you are selling throughout the country, but you're also exporting, correct? Correct. We have the, we export uh, to the states, but most, if not all, of our sales happen inside of the Kingdom of Jordan. We sell and distribute all over the kingdom. Okay. And selling to people who haven't had a lot of craft beer in the market previously, how has that been received? That's part of the challenges that um, we have to create. Um, um, it's, uh, basically our tasting room at the brewery has been the focal point of introducing, uh, the craft beer culture to people, um, at a personal level when they come over and we give them tours, um, and we create brand ambassadors, they work as our kind of silent or not so silent, but, uh, kind of like, a, a they work like our, uh, salespeople in the market to educate their friends kind of spread the word and the gospel, so to speak. Um, and so that's been uh, kind of where I feel like that has been the, the most uh, educating um, point or educating uh, center for us is the tasting room and the tours, having people come over, seeing the raw ingredients, talking about the various styles of beers. Um, but before all that happened, we also had to create an infrastructure of, some vocabulary of, of ways to describe um, 
things about beer in Arabic, and those kind of words did not. Um, we had to kind of make shift our own words or create our own vocabulary, crappier vocabulary in, in Arabic uh, about how to describe beer in Arabic, basically. So can you give me an example uh, of that? Which, which was fun. <laughs> um, so if, um, uh, if, like the word brewer in Arabic or craft uh, beer or beer body or hoppiness or um, um, the, the body of the beer or the maltiness, so it's just the, the words that we kind of, um, I'm not sure if we take for granted in English, but I assume there was some person that also created some uh, a lot of the beer vocabulary, like funk, funky beers. Uh, how did you connect funk with, with beer being funky? Um, uh, sounds like if before the crappy industry, maybe that sounds more like a, a jazz word or a style of music, funk, uh, than than something that you would describe the beer at as. So uh, let's let's say. Um, in English, uh, the way we were thinking about it while we're creating words in Arabic, so you you get your bread from a baker. So bread mm -hmm. in Arabic is khubiz, and a baker is khabaz. Meat is um, lahme, and uh, a butcher is laham. And so uh, we kind of wor worked with those kind of things of words and tried to plug in beer words through it. So like um, beer is bira, and... A brewer is Bayar, and then we kind of kind of strung those words and continued to expand on that vocabulary and malt body and just milbira. Um, it's just kind of continued to create vocabulary, basically. And then uh, educate the people that work behind the, the, the bar at the tasting room to talk about uh, beers, different styles of beers. Um, and then now we're starting to also work our way into the wild fermentation world where we're uh, putting different samples of hopped and unhopped uh, wort in different points of Jordan and then uh, kind of creating our own native yeast uh, with wild fermented beers from here. Ah, so kind of like breaking it down our, into different terroirs and, and things like that. Exactly. Oh, okay. So there's a, there's a lot of things that are exciting in our pipeline. We just are today. We started installing our pile system, a 2.5 barrel system, which we're extremely excited about. Uh, we're gonna have, kind of use that as our R&D department, uh, where we're gonna start working with local ingredients, um, spices, and now yeasts um, and uh, dates and coffee and cardamom, and um, uh, it's just working with local ingredients and even. Um, crazy combinations and try to work with our pile system on them. And if we find a recipe that we fall in love with and uh, if people fall in love with that style of beer or the recipe that we created, we're gonna, we can replicate it on the bigger system. So um, the pile system is definitely going to open up a, a bigger um, experimental uh, department for us. Now, something that I really enjoyed about the beer that you had is you know, you really got creative with a lot of ingredients and there was, you know, even without the pilot system, you definitely had this um, kind of exciting experimental flair um, in that you're incorporating more local ingredients uh, to Jordan. Can you share a little bit about that? Definitely. Yeah, we, uh, we were fortunate enough to collaborate with some American brewers that... Um, that uh, they uh, uh, kind of pushed our limits. Uh, when we started Caracale, 
we were making very clean beers, very classical beers, and that's what we what we like to do. And we we were still going through all the hurdles and challenges that we uh, till today kind of face. But um, uh, working with and collaborating with American brewers, it kind of helped push uh, the idea of us to evolve into the next chapter of of using a wider spectrum of local ingredients and infusing them into our recipes. And so our first collaboration that we did was a beer called Dead Sirius, which had dead tea salt in it, uh, coriander that we got from Lebanon, and then some pink grapefruit uh, from the lowest point on earth, from the Jordan Valley. Um, and um, the, the the pink grapefruit that we worked uh, got where we worked with a local farmer, Omar al-Halabi, has got this amazing plot of land that has literally the Jordan River wrapped around it. Um, you actually had to cross a military uh, Jordanian uh, line base um, and you get as close as possible from Jordan to the Israeli point and his land is spectacular. He has all these amazing citrus pl- uh, trees, pink grapefruit, blood oranges, uh, amazing, amazing fruits. It, it's got this weird uh, climate there, kind of a subtropical environment because mm-hmm. it's on the lowest point on Earth. It's super hot there. And there's a cold wrist of air that comes from the Mediterranean Sea to that point. So it creates this extremely hot but moist, humid uh, atmosphere. It's like a subtropical environment. So the fruits that come out of his trees are so flavorful and aromatic. So we love working with him. Uh, all our dead serious uh, pink grapefruit comes from his farm. And so we've kind of put all these ingredients together, and then Dead Serious came to birth, uh, to, to fruitation. To the, uh, for, um, and so from that, we started pushing and experimenting with more local ingredients. Uh, going from there, we did like a Zata Cezanne with Against the Grain. Um, and then we just recently released a beer called Red Serious, where we put um, sun-dried pomegranate uh, into that boner vice and then um, cold conditioned it with blood oranges as well from uh, north of Jordan. Um, and uh, we continue to make more beers using, uh, let's say, dates and coffee and cardamom. And um, we just kind of continue to look at the different things from our culture and how we can infuse them into different classical styles. And that's kind of how the evolutionary process started and how we've evolved into using more local ingredients. And now with the pilot system, we want to even go crazier. And now that we are um, propagating wild yeasts from different points of Jordan, uh, that's kind of like the next thing that we're super excited to work in, uh, evolve into. And as well as we're talking to local wineries and talking to them about getting um, barrels, wooden barrels from them and aging different types of beers. Um, in, in, in locally sourced wooden uh, water, red wine barrels from, uh, from local wineries here. So, I mean, uh, despite all the challenges that you've had to face, I mean, you're almost 10 years in, which is huge for a brewery, and, you know, it sounds like you are, you've been able to thrive. Yes, uh, yes. So we've been very lucky and fortunate. We work hard and um, we continue to to evolve and never um, stay stagnant wherever we are and kind of always push ourselves and push our comfort levels and um, comfort zones. And I think that's been really helpful in continuing our evolutionary processes, never to sit still and continue to push ourselves. Is very has been very advantageous for us. And uh, 
Um, we will always see ourselves as that. Well, I always look at Caracal as a project as opposed to a business or uh, like a, a mature business, so to speak. Even though it's been 10 years, I uh, still feel like it's a project of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Just one of those side projects that takes up all of your time and energy, right? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. But exactly. I mean, the the thing that the thing that impressed me was, you know, you you have all this experience. You're incredibly talented. You know, you could go anywhere in the world um, and make beer, frankly, a lot easier. Um, and you chose to kind of definitely take the road less traveled and take on this very challenging endeavor. Um, and you haven't given up, and it, to, to me, that's just that's a tenacity that doesn't always exist. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, sometimes I don't know what I'm doing myself, why I started a brewery in Jordan, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, there there are uh, a lot of great moments, and um, uh, pouring beer at the Shelton Festival, uh, representing Jordan, and being part of such an amazing. Um, group of international brewers from all different parts of the world and being able to represent Jordan was a very gratifying point in my in my career so to speak and um, uh, we're serving our beers at the UN headquarters in Manhattan has been also a very uh, gratifying um, thing to see and wow. uh, just uh, when, I, when I'm when I'm going around at bars in Jordan and seeing uh, and seventy uh, percent of the population in Jordan uh, today is millennials, uh, between ages eighteen to thirty-five, and, mm-hmm. um, and they're all ready for something new, something different. And so, I feel like this is a good point to uh, create culture, um, whether it is in beer or in, in the arts and movies and music. There's a lot of things happening in Jordan. And so I feel pretty lucky to be part of this um, very exciting transitional point in our society. And um, and yes, it's still challenging till today. And sometimes when challenges that I have zero control over and there's nothing to do to solve that problem um, other than being patient and waiting for change to happen and um, from more of a legal perspective, um, it's... There, there are hard days, but and sometimes I wonder what I'm doing myself. But <laughs> having a pint of beer at the end of the day changes perspective about anything. Yeah, it, it makes everything a little better. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, um, yeah. and for our listeners, uh, can you share how they would be able to get your beer, how to try your beer in the States? I know that uh, Shelton Brothers uh, imports, yeah. Exactly. Shelton Brothers, um, I think, has access to about 44 states. So mm-hmm. um, as long as uh, the people listening to the show go out to craft beer bars and restaurants and uh, ask for us, I uh, assume the bars can call some distributors in their area and they can uh, stock our beers there for us. Or you can just go to them. Jordan. Oh, that too. Yeah. yeah that's <laughs> definitely the easiest way to do it. <laughs> there's a lot to see in Jordan other than the brewery there's a million things to see in Jordan it's oh. spectacular and I always like bringing beers from outside of the country or um, from, from different parts of the world coming to Jordan it's always nice seeing 
showing them Jordan and seeing it from their eyes. It's, it's always amazing seeing uh, people's eyes when they light up and see Petra or float on the Dead Sea or uh, see the stars in Wadiram. There's so many things to see in Jordan. Definitely recommend it, uh, it as a place to come visit. Oh, yeah. No, your description of just that one valley alone, I was like, oh, I should probably go to Jordan at some point soon. <laughs> oh, Amr Halabiya is an amazing, amazing farm. He always cooks up this traditional uh, dish called Zarb, where it's basically slow-cooked food underneath the ground. He lights up a fire, uh, drops down a basket, and then covers it up. And an hour and a half, two hours later, we take it up, and it's extremely flavorful cooked meats and potatoes and vegetables it's awesome yeah no that all sounds amazing <laughs> um well thank you so much for taking the time to call in today i really appreciate it thank you for having me on the show sarah of course and um, i uh, look forward to uh, for another show maybe if you come down to jordan we'll do another one there yeah no i'm looking at jack here you know st- headed station and yeah, a full-service sponsored trip to Jordan, right? He's laughing at Sounds me. Sounds great. Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, well, again, thank you so much. Um, listeners, this has been Beer Me on Full Service Radio, broadcasted live at the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. Listen in next week. Cheers. Thank you. Yeah.